This weekend, five years ago, Mamma Mia opened in the US, the same weekend as The Dark Knight. Now, who made that decision? I mean, there's no way a movie based on a stage musical inspired by a set of songs from a Swedish pop group who were big in the 1970s could possibly compete against the second instalment of a hugely popular comic book franchise. Add to that the tragic death of Heath Ledger and the must-see factor for the new Batman movie was at near hysterical levels. And sure enough, come the Monday morning, after the opening weekend, The Dark Knight had trampled over every film in its path, raking in $158 million. Mamma Mia managed barely a fifth of that. But as Mark Twain said, there are three kinds of lies. Lies, damned lies, and statistics. Money, money, money. So, on paper, it may look like The Dark Knight had won, but Mamma Mia was not going up against Batman. No, the audiences for the two films were very different, and so long as Mamma Mia kept an eye on its own audience, that audience would show up and put down their money. And put down their money they did. In a season populated with the likes of the fourth Indiana Jones picture, Iron Man and The Incredible Hulk, the release pattern worked because in the end, Mamma Mia earned over $609 million worldwide, with another 235 million on DVD, all from a budget of 52 million. The idea for Mamma Mia came about way back in the mid-1980s, when British theatrical producer Judy Kramer met with ABBA's songwriting team of Bjorn Ulveus and Benny Anderson. Kramer suggested to the duo that they mount a musical using ABBA songs. But Ulveus and Anderson had already tried the idea in 1977, with a mini-musical called The Girl with the Golden Hair. And that hadn't worked, so they said no. An entire decade passed before Kramer's idea gained any sort of traction. Then, in 1989, Buddy, the Buddy Holly story, thundered onto the West End, not only single-handedly reviving the jukebox musical, but also showing Kramer that her idea could work. The challenge was getting the right script, and for that, Kramer called in TV writer Catherine Johnson. Johnson's credits included the BBC show Casualty, and once she had outlined the plot, Kramer contacted opera director Phyllida Lloyd. Can we see a pattern emerging here? Kramer, Johnson, Lloyd. All women. The show opened in London's West End in 1999, and by October 2001, such was its success that it was playing to packed houses on Broadway. And it was there that another woman got involved. A 10-year-old girl, Louisa Gummer, expressed a wish to see it, and so her mother, Mrs Gummer, said yes. Now, Mrs Gummer is better known as Meryl Streep. So taken was Streep by the show that she wrote to Judy Kramer, noting in particular how important it was for New Yorkers to be given some happiness in the wake of the 9-11 terrorist attacks. The fact that Streep's daughter had asked to see the show was not lost on Kramer, as it tallied perfectly with Kramer's aim. A show not just for women, but females of all ages. In fact, when it came to the movie, it was quite common to see not two, but three generations of women packing the cinema. Mothers, daughters and their grannies. 
Aimed squarely at the female market, the film's female characters are positive, energetic and resilient. Unlike other genres, they are not in competition with one another. They don't stab each other in the back. Instead, they are supportive of one another. In other words, you're going to see a movie about people whom you would want as your friends. You know, people you can count on when you're in trouble. Now, although I can't prove this next point, I do believe that a fifth woman was involved. In 1994, there appeared on the scene an Australian woman named Muriel Heslop, a young woman whose self-esteem was so decimated by her family and so-called friends that the only thing standing between her and suicide was a song by ABBA. When I lived in Pauper Spit, I'd just stay in my room for hours and listen to ABBA songs. Sometimes I'd stay in there all day. Since I've met you and moved to Sydney, I haven't listened to one ABBA song. It's because now my life's as good as an ABBA song. It's as good as Dancing Queen. Muriel's Wedding featured no less than five ABBA songs, and not only was it the first movie to heavily feature ABBA's back catalogue, it also showed that their songs could be used to supplement a film's plot. Did this movie help Kramer convince investors that there was an audience for an ABBA-based musical? As I said, I can't prove it, but the parallels don't end there. Look at the poster for Muriel's Wedding, and then the West End poster for Mamma Mia, and you can see they have a lot in common. Of course, it seems like an obvious choice now, but if you can, think back to the late 1990s in London's West End, and you will remember the type of poster that advertised the hit musicals. Phantom, Les Mis, Miss Saigon. Moody, broody, and not a whole lot of fun, which is precisely where Mamma Mia stepped in. Okay, you know what my mom always said when I asked about my father? Mm -hmm. It was summer romance. And he'd gone long before she realized that she was expecting me. And I'd always kind of accepted that that's all I'd ever know. While I was ransacking some old trunks. Huh. And I found this. It's the diary she kept the year she was pregnant with me. Oh, Sophie! July 17th. What a night. I don't know if I want to hear this. I do. Sam rode me over to the little island. That's here, that's Calicary. <clears throat> we danced on the beach, and we kissed on the beach, and dot, dot, dot. What? Dot, dot, dot. That's what they did in the olden days. So, is Mamma Mia any good? Box office numbers and DVD sales say yes. However, some critics found the plot creaky and lacking in credibility. But that is to completely devalue the musical genre. Musical plots are not built on credibility, but rather upon coincidence, happenstance and romance. So, as far as I'm concerned, so long as the story operates within its own orchestrated logic, I can't see why people would have a problem with it. The only real reservation I have is how the film looked. For me, all too often the scenes were presented with the minimum of fuss, but also with the minimum of finesse. Adequate framing is never good enough, and several sequences were only adequately blocked out and choreographed. 
more careful planning would have resulted in a better looking picture. Not that it's uneasy on the eye. Amanda Seyfried is a postcard in and of herself and I wish I looked like Dominic Cooper. But really, it's not a good thing when you can tell the cinematographer was using green screen for some exterior scenes. I mean, why go all the way to Greece and then skip back inside a soundstage in London to do your close-ups? There was something in the air that night The stars were bright, Fernando They were shining there for you and me For liberty, Fernando Though we never thought that we could lose There's no regret But you know what? That really doesn't matter because the film's tone and emotional temperature are practically pitch perfect. Excuse me another pun, but Mamma Mia hits all the right notes and hits them right on cue. And despite the star-studded cast, the real stars are the songs. And you have to give Judy Kramer the credit for knowing that the songs could be reworked. And that's what you can do with classics. Bend them, stretch them, flip them, and they'll still snap right back into shape. Ask someone if they like ABBA's tunes, and if they say yes, then ask them why. Chances are, they will say because the songs make them feel happy. There is brightness, enthusiasm and optimism in the melodies and lyrics. Even when the song touches on heartache or loss, they somehow avoid the mood that often overtakes other songs about the end of relationships. When some bands write about breakups, be it in the lyrics or chord structures, you can hear anger, jealousy or bitterness creeping in. Not so with ABBA. Mamma Mia may not be a great movie, but it sure is a joyful one. Infectious and completely irresistible, it's a Super trooper, beams are gonna blind me, but I won't feel blue, like I always do, cause somewhere in the crowd there's you.